about 1 John chapter 5. And today we land our series, we've been preaching through this book, and today we land our series in 1 John. It's the last, uh, the last session on 1 John. Um, I know you're all very sad about leaving 1 John, but I'm sure we'll have some more uh, topics, some more content. But we're going to try and wrap up today uh, this series in 1 John. I'm just checking quickly, am I on that? We've got a ring. Okay, we've had some trouble with that. This morning, I'd love to just take, take us through three quick steps. The first one is just a doctrinal comment, so don't shut off straight away. <laughs> um, the second one is just, a, I want to try to give us a quick summary of the book of 1 John, and then we're going to land in our final text and just bring it all back to our final text this morning. So if it sounds like I'm getting fast or worked up, it's not the coffee or anger, it's just we're trying to get through three quick ideas, and we won't, we won't go deeply into all of them, but we'll give you a quick framework. The first one is just, uh, I want to talk for a moment, and, we, and it came through in the songs this morning, you know, uh, this idea came through doctrinally, even in the songs we were singing this morning, about the kingdom of God, the, our salvation, that we are rescued by God, and uh, our eternal life, that we have eternal life in God. These ideas were all in this morning's uh, songs this morning. And the scriptures talk about these things in three uh, very clear way, ways. Jesus himself expressed it about the kingdom of God. He said that the kingdom of God has come among you, past tense. It's here. I've announced it. I've arrived. And the kingdom of God is here. He also said, Jesus said, go out and tell everyone that the kingdom is near, is now. The kingdom is arriving. So it was present tense, past tense. It's come with the arrival of Jesus. It is present among you. If you see these things going on, you know the kingdom is among you. And then also Jesus said, the kingdom will come. When I return, then the kingdom will come. And you can look up the references for those. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But the point being that God's kingdom was, has arrived. It's here now and available to us. And it's going to be consummated or it will come at the end. So... Past, present, future. Fairly simple. Not that hard doctrinally, is it? It's just quite simple. Past, present, future. Paul repeats this kind of idea when he talks about us coming to salvation. Salvation, if you don't know what that is, if you maybe don't know Jesus, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must know God. You must be born again. Not just you must accept that Jesus existed, but you must encounter God. You must, something on the inside has to change. You receive Jesus and you are born again. Something, you were dead and now you are alive. And so Jesus said you must be born again. And Paul describes this. He says, for example, in Ephesians 2, 9, he'll say, for by grace you have been saved. Past tense. It's something that happened. You passed from death to life. Paul's describing what Jesus talked about. We are born again. We meet Jesus that hasn't happened to you, um, you would know it. Because when you meet Jesus, something inside you changes. You would know when you are born again. So I ask you, are you born again? Do you know Jesus? And so Paul describes this salvation work of God as something that happened. By grace you have been saved, past tense. He also describes it in the present tense to the Corinthians. He says, um, you know, we're like the aroma of death to those who are passing away, but this cross, this message of the cross is an aroma to those who are being saved. And that's the present tense. Something's going on now. I'm being rescued right now. I've still got all this brokenness in me, and somehow I am still being saved. I am being saved. Present tense, he uses the word like the, to describe this salvation. 
So Paul describes both the past tense and the present tense. Then he'll describe uh, the future tense of it as well. He says, since therefore we have been justified, past tense, how much more shall we be saved from the coming wrath of God? Saying, I'm going to be saved in that day when Jesus comes back. And so again, Paul describes this salvation work of God in three tenses. Something that happened to me, I met Jesus, I was dead, I became alive. Then he describes this, I am right now, I am being saved. God is dealing with me, transforming. I'm not perfect, but God is working in me. And then in the future tense, one day when Jesus comes back, I will be rescued from every, all of this nonsense. <laughs> I'll be saved. I'll be, all be put right, and, and I will be complete. I'll be made whole. So these, this is kind of a theological, doctrinal conversation we're having, and it's, it's important, I think, for the book of John as well. John himself begins to describe this exact same pattern. So it's Jesus, it's John. In fact, it's all over the Scriptures, if you read it carefully. John, in his book, in 1 John, which you've been reading, he describes it in a few ways. 1 John 3.14, he says, For we have passed from death to life. So John's telling these believers, You guys, you have assurance. You have passed from death to life. You were dead, now you are alive. Past tense, something that happened to you. You met Jesus. Paul, uh, John, sorry, also describes in this book, in the present tense, he says, whoever has the Son has life. Right now, if you have Jesus, you have the life of God with you. So it's something you received, you were made alive to God, and yet right now you can receive life from God. Jesus himself said that inside of you will be rivers of living water, which will well up inside of you life, by which he meant the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is describing that life will also be welling up within you. And this is what John's describing as well. Are you following me? I know, it's, I know we're doctrinal. <laughs> um, he says, as well, John then describes this in the future tense. In, in John 14, in the book of Gospel of John, he says that, Yet in a little while you will see me no more, but then you will see me, and because I live, you will live. Jesus says in John chapter 14, you will live. You've been given life, you have this life in you, and you will live. Well, Jesus, what do you mean? Am, were we dead? Are we only going to live then? Maybe some, somehow we will live forever? Or have we received it? And the, the good news is it's just one of those annoying answers. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's all of them. <laughs> it's not one of them. By and large, we tend to describe coming to Jesus in one tense. Oh, I came to Jesus in the past. One, something that happened to me. But the scripture, the more scriptural kind of theology around it is that these are something that happened to me. It's something that's happening to me right now. I'm living in the life of God. I'm receiving the life of God. And one day I'm going to be made fully alive like never before. There's this beautiful fullness of the term salvation really is not just a past tense thing, but it's past tense, it's present tense, it's future tense. The, theolog the theologians call it justification, sanctification, glorification. Those are nice big words. You don't, don't worry too much about them. We'd put in Jesus' picture language much better. <laughs> Jesus said, when you build your house, you build it on the foundation. There's this building going up. There's a foundation that cannot be moved. That is the rock that cannot be moved. We sang about this morning. The sure foundation, Jesus. The eternal foundation. You are, you are being placed upon that. You have passed from death to life. You cannot move that. It's eternal. It's a foundation. And then Jesus says, but be careful how you build on that foundation. This is what we're doing now. We, now we can, on this, self, uh, this foundation, we stand forever, and yet we ought to be careful how we build. Because one day, there's going to become a completion, a finishing. A, this building project's going to get finished. 
and each, each one ought to be careful how he builds. And so it's not, do I have life? Will I receive eternal life? It's all of them. It's yes, you've received life. You've been placed on a wonderful foundation. Be careful how you build. One day Jesus is going to come and wrap all this up and make it all complete and perfect. And so Jesus puts it in picture language like that. Um, that salvation is this kind of process. We're on a perfect foundation. There's building. He says, that's why Jesus says, be careful how you work. You're involved in that part. The first part you've got nothing to do with. No one can lay a foundation other than Jesus. You cannot come to salvation other than through on, upon the foundation of Jesus. You can't do any works for that. But you can build with Jesus yeah, in the second, second phase, let's call it. <laughs> phase two. And so this is the theology um, quick theology, and that was, that was a quick doctrinal. Again, sorry, I'm not angry. I had three coffees, but that's got nothing to do with my speed <laughs> this morning. <laughs> it's not the coffees. It's, it's just this. We, we're, trying to, uh, we're trying to compete with the Hong Kong church. We're just keeping fast this morning. All right. Just pretend you're in Hong Kong, and you'll be okay. And so let's move quickly to a summary of this book of John, and then we'll land it in the text. With that as the backdrop, John, I want to give you just four big themes of this book as we kind of wrap up today. Four big themes of the book of John, of what, the book of 1 John, that John sort of circles around. First of all, John uses very simple language. and He says, God is love. You've received this love of God. You can love each other. That's very simple. Ah, oh, easy. Anyone doing that very well, perfectly? No, it's actually very hard when you begin to think about it. So he's giving us very simple language, but he it actually causes us to think very deeply. How do I love others? Am I loving? Oh, you've received the love of God. You can easily love others. You ought to love. But John, John, that's so difficult. John's actually getting us to, as simple as it is, it's actually getting us to think deep, deeper. Yes, I completely know I'm loved by God, yet I'm struggling in this phase of building. I'm upon this solid foundation, but now I'm trying to learn to love others, and I'm growing, and I'm building. And so it's simple, and yet complex, as simple things often are. And John says something like, God is light. He's perfect. And there's no darkness in him. And you can walk in the light. That's a very beautiful picture of nice and easy, extremely difficult when you work it out. So John's giving these easy pictures which actually cause us to think deeply. He's doing it on purpose. And so sometimes you read John, you're like, John, what do you mean? What do you mean uh, all our sins are forgiven? If anyone says he is without sin, then he's a liar. (laughs) You don't go on sinning, he says. (laughs) But anyone who says he's got no sin is a liar. Well, John, you're confusing us here. He's just very simple, but getting us to think, and we'll come back to that point in a minute. He says, your sins are forgiving, forgiven, but you don't go on sinning. He says, you know him. You know God. Oh, that's very, that's very easy, isn't it? No. So John uses simple language, and yet it's complex. He goes deeper and deeper. Four themes he, he addresses. Now, what I might do is just read through my Bible and give you highlights on the four themes. The first one is truth or doctrine or the truth about Jesus. Then he highlights assurance. He highlights fellowship with God and loving others. Four very simple themes. Not the only ones, but we might just do that. So I'll, I'll address these four things and hopefully we can just see what we've been learning through the book of John. John chapter 1, and we're going to look at quickly the truth. John lays out this truth. He says, we know who is from the beginning. We know Jesus, who is the Son of God, who came in the flesh. He's saying, I want you to know for sure that Jesus is God, and he came in the flesh. He was God, and he was man. The doctrine of Jesus. This is truth. You can't move on. You can't get saved if you don't believe that. He's rebuking the false teachers who are saying that Jesus wasn't really both God and man. 
So he's putting down truth, laying the foundation of truth. He lays it in many ways. He says, this is the message that you've heard from us, that God is light. God is perfectly good. This is the message, truth. You can't wonder from this. So it's very cerebral, very in, your, you know, in, in the mental area. He's giving you truth and, and asking you, you ought to believe it. You ought to believe upon this. He says in chapter 2, I write these things to you so that you might know the truth. Because you, know, because you know it, and because no lies of the truth, he who is of a liar is the one who denies Jesus. So he's saying the truth is that Jesus is the salvation. Jesus is this foundation. He moves on and says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. And Mark preached on that. Don't just believe everything. Know the truth. And so he's engaging them to know this truth, to understand and know the gospel. Whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, abides in him forever confessing Jesus, believing upon Jesus, the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what we ought to believe, that Jesus is the Son of God. You cannot come to God without believing that Jesus is who he said he was. Um, And he goes on, for you who believe in the name of the Son of God, there is no other name under heaven and earth, Acts chapter 4 verse 12, by which we might be saved, but the name of Jesus. So he's impressed upon them, don't believe these false teachers, you need to believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. If you don't believe the gospel this morning, um, John's message to you is believe in Jesus. That's the only way you can come to the Father. The only way you can be placed upon the eternal foundation of Jesus is to believe in Jesus, the Son of God. There is no other way to come to salvation. And once once he's given that as a big theme, he also then talks to them about the assurance that they have. I'll just give us a few verses. It says that Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are cleansed from all unrighteousness because of Jesus. Not if, not one day, if you try hard enough, eventually in the future. No, you are already, past tense, cleansed from all unrighteousness. And he's giving them a great assurance. Uh, Chapter 2, he says, because your sins are forgiven. Not you hope your sins will be forgiven. Your sins are, past tense, forgiven in Jesus. This is a great and precious promise that he has made to us eternal life. You have been promised eternal life. You have, you have been given eternal life. Assurance. John is assuring them that they belong to God. We know that we have passed from death to life. We know we have passed from death to life. Chapter 4, he talks about we abide in him and he in us, for he has given us of his spirit. This is how we know that we abide in him because he's given us of his spirit. We know we are in Jesus. He's giving them repeatedly, giving them assurance. You are in Jesus. You are belonging to God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. You have been born of God. Past tense, assurance again. Um, Are you seeing these themes? They're picking up. Being born again. And he goes on. I won't give all of them. Another one in chapter 5, he says, that you may know that you have eternal life. So truth, I want you to believe on Jesus, but also I want you to know that you have been placed on the central foundation of Jesus. And then he talks about fellowship as his third theme. We're moving fast, but it's, I think it's important and hoping trying to summarize this book for us. John chapter 1, he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with Jesus. We have fellowship. Not only are we born again, but now we have fellowship. We have a relationship. We know the Father and we know Jesus. We are walking with him. God is light and we walk with him. We are fellowshipping with him. We are walking with him. 
My little children, I'm writing to these things to you so that you may not sin, that you might know how not to sin. You might be walking with him. Chapter 2, because you know him who was from the beginning, because you know the Father, because you know the one who was from the beginning. You know God. We know him and we walk with him. Chapter, end of chapter 2, he says, Now, little children, abide in him, just as you've been taught. End of chapter 3, he says, By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given. He abides in us, with us. We are with, God is with us. So he's pushing upon them, this fellowship. One, the first one is doctrinal. Yep, I do, I believe in Jesus. I come into a saving faith where I'm placed upon that rock. And from that point, he's, he's pressing upon them, walk with God, have fellowship with God. Our fellowship is with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit whom abides in us. This is the life, the, the life that is coming. Something has happened to us. We've been passed from death to life, but now we are walking with God. This is how we know this life in, in our own lives and in our own present reality, not a past tense, but something we are doing now. And so he keeps pressing upon them. And I won't, I won't uh, give you any more of that. There's a, it's a wonderful study if you want to look at fellowship. And then he says, but once we walk with God, once we are uh, partner with God, once we have this fellowship with God, something else begins to happen. We are changed. We are shaped. We are different. And the love of God is shed abroad in us. We actually be, it, it looks like something. Something begins to happen. Mark gave us last week kind of the, not the evidences, but the, um, what was the word? The, the qualities of, of, a, of a disciple. These are, what begins to happen is these qualities begin to burn out. When you are born again, you're living with God, and now you're walking with God, something begins to happen. This love of God that's been given to you begins to flow out to others. And so he urges and presses upon them these same ideas, love. And I'll, I'll just give you one for that, because we actually spent four or five weeks talking about love, if you, if you remember. So I, I hope you remember it's in the text. But certainly love is a big part of this book. And John, John 1 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, he says, um, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. And he goes on to say, God is love. This is the message. This is the message of this book, love one another. And so you can see there's these constant themes which he keeps circling about. He introduces them. He circles back, he circles back to them. No, be, be clear about what you believe. You can't believe that Jesus isn't who, who he said he is. You are, you are assured, you've been placed on this foundation, and then he presses it again upon them. And, and, and also the result of this is walking with God. You get to know God, you get to fellowship with him, and then love begins to flow out from you to others. And, this is the, and he, then he, he takes it a second time around from about chapter 3 through chapter 4, and he, he goes deeper again, he presses it upon them, gets them thinking even more about it. Then in the final chapter or two chapters, he's urging them, come on guys, let's do this. Let's go. Come on, let's go. Leighton Hewitt, right? Come on. I'm showing my age, huh? Who remembers Leighton from the 90s? He's really urging them, and this is the, the landing point of this, this chapter. This is the evidence. And so we come now to our, our kind of landing text this morning in John chapter 5 and verse 13. And you'll see these themes, and you'll see this, this kind of thing coming through. John chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm writing to those of you who believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. You believe in his name. You believe in the name of the Son of God who is 
the Son of God, both God and man, you believe in its doctrine, not only, uh, but uh, in the only name which, which saves, Acts 4.12. It says, that you, I write to you these things, that you might believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might know Him. You might have fellowship with Him. You might be, not just know about Him, but that you might know God. You might be walking with Him, and that you have eternal life, assurance. He assures them, you have it. And this is the confidence that we have towards Him, that if we ask Him anything according to His will, He hears us. This is the confidence we have in God, that if we ask uh, that we have towards him, that if we ask anything. You know when you ask something, how do you have confidence in God? Well, that you, you, he's assuming you have fellowship. If you want to ask something of something, someone, you have to know them, right? I want to ask ScoMo a question. I probably need his phone number. You can't ask someone you don't know. And so he's, there's, there's an immediate assumption that if you're asking God, well, you, you must be being invited into fellowship. You must have got the phone number from someone. You must have met him at some point. You can ask. And so this is the kind of confidence we have. We can ask God because we are in a love relationship with God. You can ask God. He says, um, this is obviously access and fellowship with God that's described here. You ask your friend something. You can ask your friend for something. I, can, I know Mark got a new surfboard. So I could ask Mark, Mark, can I have your surfboard? Because I know him. And the Bible says that you must give to those who ask. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I, because we have a relationship, I know and I can ask. He does, John does say though, when you know God, you ought to ask according to his will. <laughs> he says, we know that we have confidence with God. We are in relationship with God. We can ask, but we ask anything according to his will. So he assumes that they know God's will. They know God. They know what God is like. The things they ask, so I know that it's probably not Mark's will to give his surfboard to me, so I already know the, the, his will. I'm asking not according to his will, but according to my will. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Moving on. Ask according to God's will. You know, you know how um, Jesus described this in, in John 15, and he says, um, maybe I'll just turn to it quickly, John chapter 15 and verse 12, Jesus describes almost the very same same uh, thing. Just give me a moment to find uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. This is Jesus speaking. Greater love is no one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, and all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. I did not, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should bear much fruit, and that you should abide, so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name will be given to you. This is my commandment, so that you love one another. Jesus saying, I know you. You are now my friends. You know I've, everything that the Father has made known to me, I've made known to you. You know my will. You know God's how God is, you know what his nature is. And then when you know and in close fellowship, you would know, oh, I probably won't ask for Mark's surfboard. He only got it yesterday. He probably doesn't want to do that. And this is what he's describing. He's describing from fellowship with God, we know his will. And then when we ask, we have such confidence because we know, we know what's going on. We know that God is, what God is doing. He's loving the lust. God sent people to me to love. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
God, help me to love the lost. Oh, absolutely. God will answer those prayers. Mark, give me your surfboard. Maybe not. God, we know God's will. We know God's will is what he's saying. So he's assuming a fellowship and a, that we are walking with God. Verse 15, he says, if, anyone, uh, if we know that he hears us, we have confidence that in whatever we ask, for we know that we have our requests that we have asked of him. Again, assurance and fellowship. We are friends with God. Again, he's urging him to know God. And then he goes on to say, this is a very difficult part of the text, but we'll just read it and move on quickly. <laughs> if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he, sh- he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There's a sin that leads to death, and I do not say you should pray for that. Um, and so there's a number of ways this text can be, should be taken. First of all, just notice he says, if you see your, br- see your brother committing a sin... Um, you should pray for him and, and ask God to, uh, you know, God to give him life. Of course, he's already said very clearly, your sins are forgiven. If we, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive them. So he's already outlined that the believer has a faithful high priest, Jesus, who forgives our sins. And we confess them when we confess them to him. And so he says, if you see your brother coming, we can pray and our sin can be forgiven. The, there's sin that doesn't lead to death, and that's sin that we repent of. You know? When we're sinning, we're kind of leading towards uh, death. And of course, you have to ask yourself, what, why, how is John using this term life and death? And, and we kind of just uh, recall, remember, just to the first part of where we looked doctrinally, you know, you passed out of death into life. You are now moving into life. You sort of, you're decaying uh, character and body is slowly being transformed to become like Jesus. Right now, you're moving from death to life, and one day, death will be completely removed, and you'll come to full fullness of life. And so, we know that, yes, all sin leads to death, Romans says. If we're sinning, we're just decay. We're just pursuing something that's decaying and dying. But actually, no, we have life that's available to us right now. And actually, you can... You can Ask God to forgive you and you can stop moving into death and you can move into life. Both something that happened, an event, an eternal foundation, but there's something right now, even in our lives right now, that we can move from uh, heading towards death, towards heading to life. We can have right now the life of God. So certainly he may be meaning that. There's a few ways to take it. Certainly he says, you know, those who commit a sin that leads to death, well, what is that? Well, that's just sin that you're not repenting of. If you keep sinning, well, you're not leading to the life of God. You're, you're leading to more and more decay. You're leading to more and more brokenness. If you keep sinning in anger, you're leading to more and more broken relationships. If you're sinning with unforgiveness, you're leading to more and more death. And, of course, he must be referring to the whole text of the, of the whole book where he said to them, don't uh, listen to the false teachers who say that Jesus isn't the salvation. Well, if you sin like that and you don't repent of that, well, then you're leading to a real big death. <laughs> Because you can't come to Christ. You can't come to the means of salvation. You can't come to forgiveness if you're rejecting Jesus. And ultimately, that's a very big death that you can lead yourself into. So sin can lead to death. Romans is very clear. And that's not just a once-off event, but that's really the whole story of salvation. We pass from death to life. We want to live in the life of God. And you heretics, be very careful because if you don't turn from not accepting Jesus, you're going to have a real big problem. And that's really kind of a big, quick framework for that, for that verse. And you can maybe think, again, John, just being simple, but causing us to think, well, what does he mean? Which one? What's he talking about? Which life? Which death? Which sin? 
Uh, well, I'll let you ponder and you can, <laughs> you can work it out. But some of those things will, will help. I think that framework will help us in that context. And so John is encouraging them, don't let sin, the point, don't miss the point here. Don't, don't live in, in something that leads to more and more death. Um, if we confess, Jesus is able to forgive us. In fact, in Mark 3, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, truly I say to you, all manner of sins will be forgiven. All kinds of sin can be forgiven, Jesus speaking. And then he says, but whatever, but whatever, uh, whatever blasphemies you utter can be forgiven. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will be guilty of, he says, an eternal sin, Jesus. And Jesus, where Jesus mentions this, what's going on? There's Jesus there, he's preaching the kingdom. This kingdom has come amongst you. People are being set free from demons, healed. And he says, and he's announcing the kingdom of God. And the Pharisees and them are going, nah, this is, he's doing it through Satan. So they're rejecting this announcement of the kingdom. They reject, they're doing a big one, right? They're going like, this Jesus is not the real deal. This is not the gospel. And they reject it. And Jesus says, well, all kinds of sin can be forgiven. But if you refuse to come to Jesus, well, then that can't be forgiven because you're rejecting the means of forgiveness, the only means of forgiveness, the only foundation that can be laid. You've rejected the only foundation for salvation. How will you ever come to Jesus? How will you ever come to salvation? cannot be done. That's the only sin that can't be forgiven is those that aren't repented of, <laughs> both eternally and presently. You keep, uh, if you keep on, hold on to your sin, not repenting, then uh, it leads to decay, which is why Paul will say things like, work out your salvation right now. Do it now, pressing upon them. All right, so all sin is wrong, Dean. Let's, let's uh, bring this to a close and try and land in a few, a few minutes. Um, verse 18, John says, We know that everyone who's been born of God doesn't keep on sinning. And this is, again, another quite a difficult verse. Why does everyone born of God not keep on sinning? Well, what does he mean? If I said to you this morning, Hi, I'm going to um, Victoria, Melbourne this afternoon. I'm going there and I'm going to just go and hug as many people as I can. And when I get back, I want to give all of you a hug. I'm not going to quarantine. I'm not going to get permission. I'm just doing it. And I'm going to, when I come back, I'm going to give you a big hug, and, we'll, and how, we'll see how we go. Now, most of you would answer me, you can't do that. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't go there and come back and not quarantine. You can't do that. Now, what do you mean when you're saying you can't do that? You don't mean I can't do that. You mean I ought not to. You should not do that. Can I physically do it? I probably could. I should probably get arrested, <laughs> find some sort of thing. And this is, you, if you think about the language, it's very simple language again, but it's like John's describing this great life. You've been set upon the foundation. You have fellowship with Jesus. You have fellowship with the Father. You have the fellowship of the Spirit abiding in you. You can't go on sinning. I don't think he means you. it's not possible. He, he said earlier, if you... If you say you're going to sin, you're a liar. So he's not confused about that part. He's just saying, I, you can't, do, you, surely not. You know, I think hopefully that would be the same if I said I was announcing I was going to Victoria to try and bring COVID back. We, everyone would say, surely you can't do that. You know, they don't necessarily mean you can't do it. You probably could. Um, but it, it ought not to be done. It's, that's not normal. That wouldn't be normal. So he's just carrying the belief. No, no one who knows Jesus, who has the light, you don't, you don't carry on doing that. Surely not. And so he's pressing upon them. Come. He's encouraged this light, encouraging. Come on, guys. It's, this is not what we do. We, we pursue God. We, we, we stay in fellowship with God. This is what we do. And so his encouragement to them is in, in this way. No, no, surely not to do that. 
Um, it's almost like a shock to him. <laughs> and yet he says, yet we know we are forgiven. And if we are, anyone sins, well, we know the Father is able to forgive them. We know that we are from God, verse 19, lands again in such assurance. We know that we are from God. We know that we are from God. The whole world lives in lies, but we know we are from God. What assurance. What assurance. We do not live under the power of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come. He has given us understanding. Jesus has met us and given us understanding. We have fellowship with him. He is the true God. He is the one true God, and he is the eternal life. Jesus is the eternal life. We know him. We fellowship with him. We know the doctrine. We know who Jesus is. We fellowship with him. He has given us of his spirit personally. We know him experientially. He is the true one. He is the true doctrine. We are in him, present tense. We belong to Jesus. He is the true eternal life. Do you have fellowship with Jesus? This is the message of what John has been pressing upon him. Believe Jesus, but I want you to fellowship with him. I want you to walk with him. And finally he lands with a verse 21. <laughs> Keep yourself from idols. Well, I'm glad we've got two minutes to discuss that because I think Tim Keller's been preaching on that for 20 years, right? And so we'll... <laughs> uh, Keep yourself from idols. It's really just, he's really, if you think about it, he's just pressing home one more time the whole message of the book. Keep yourself from all the things which draw you away from the life of God. Don't pursue something which distracts you from God. What are you pursuing? Keep yourself from all these things. No, you ought not to go and do that. And so in this foundation that's laid, assurance he's given them, perfect assurance that can never be moved. And yet he's saying, now we're building on a foundation. We ought not to sin because we're, we're living for Jesus. We have the life of God. We know we're not going to pursue idols. No, no, this whole story is something that's wonderful, an assured foundation, and yet we have this glorious building to construct. And we're not going to complete it perfectly. We'll, we'll let Jesus do that. He'll come back and finish it off. He'll be the capstone. He'll put it together beautifully. And yet John is urging him, encouraging him, please, Let's build well. Let's, let's, let's live with God. Let's fellowship. And this looks like this, this love begins to be shared abroad. The very essence of the kind of result of all this is just love for others and exploring our life. So I want to encourage you this morning. How are you building? How are you fellowshipping with God? How are you working out the love of God in, in your midst? This is the call of, of, of this first book of John, 1 John a sure foundation, and yet at the same time a challenging call to love and to pursue Jesus. I want to ask you, how are you pursuing Jesus? Are there areas of idolatry or sin that you're pursuing which is blocking the flow of the life of God? Not are you dead in your sins? No, you were made alive. But are you blocking the flow of the life of God that John's describing? One day Jesus will come back and, and we'll have full life. But right now, there's an inheritance, something to build, something to, work, to live for, and something to partner with God in, in fellowship.